You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today, we have with us in the studio Kevin Charles. Kevin is a longtime Tucson resident and escapee from the winters of Cleveland. We'll be right back with Kevin, but first, let's talk about new projects. So I'm starting a new project. It's not a big project like walking across the country or something like that. It's just a little fun one, a little online project. I'm doing a zero packaging project where I am trying to live the next six months by nothing in a package, like nothing, not a sticker on a piece of fruit, not a tag on a shirt, which kind of limits me a little bit, but also isn't that hard. I've, so far I've been looking into it. It's not that bad. There's places that have stuff that's in bulk. They have stuff that you can get. Uh, toilet paper. I've been getting a lot of great suggestions for that, but it just, it just gets my brain going and it excites me. And I love to do things where it's like a, a challenge, but doable. And it seems like a really doable challenge and kind of fun. I just hate throwing stuff out. I just get sick of throwing stuff out. I just, I don't want to do it anymore. And I've seen some things online that are like zero waste projects, but I'm not, it's not really that so much as it is just not buying something wrapped inside of something with a box around it and then more shrink wrap on top of that put into a bag for whatever reason that just really annoys me so on that note I looked up depression and projects I got a BuzzFeed article it's 24 creative ways to channel depression or anxiety we asked members of BuzzFeed community to show us what they've created during periods of depression anxiety or other mental health struggles tend to some plants take self-portraits turn the old into the new get out in the world, and capture what you find there, or literally turn it into art. Work with makeup or body paint, blend your own scented candles, focus on a new buddy like a rescue dog, design your dream home, add dream outfits, wrap arrowheads, bake, 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 teach, draw, crochet a blanket for yourself or a loved beloved pet, sell what you've made, paint, play with fire, Make your tears work for you. And she would literally make tears out of fabric and embroidery. Know the value of even the smallest, most temporary projects. Make little monsters. Take up embroidery. Or create your life. And I love the idea of just people doing all sorts of weird, kooky things because they, you know, have depression, anxiety, mental illness, and etc. I think that a lot of art is, like for me, a lot of it's just obsessive compulsive disorder, I think. (laughs) I get onto something and it's all I think about. It's all I want to do. And it actually staves off depression quite a lot. I've been doing the depression session for a number of years and that's, that's an ongoing project, but it's not an easy one. It's, it's like a more emotional and it kind of keeps me on task with my depression and helps a lot in that way. I'm like way less depressed doing a show where I talk about depression and just hearing other people's stories. I don't know why I find it really soothing with this project is just something fun and weird that makes me think through my day like, oh crap, I can't buy that. It's in a package. Is there some other way to get chocolate right now? (laughs) So on that note, I feel very up. 
I know part of it is my plan to go to Mexico. Part of it's just whatever hormonal weird things going on in my body as usual. And part of it is starting a fun project. If you want to check it out, it's on Facebook. It's Zero Packaging Project. It's pretty fun. All right. Today we have with us in the studio, Kevin Charles. Kevin is a longtime Tucson resident and escapee from the winters of Cleveland. Hello, Kevin. Welcome to the Depression Session. Hello, Laura. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. Winter in Michigan and winter in <laughs> Cleveland. <Blah>. No, thanks. <laughs> it lost its luster once uh, the, I stopped sled riding. and Although driving in the snow was a lot of fun. Really? <laughs> Depending. <laughs> it's yeah. exciting. It's definitely exciting. It, it was challenging, especially when you're altered, <laughs> <laughs> which we might talk about here. <laughs> in a minute. In a minute. <laughs> yeah. What's new with you? What's going on in your life? Well, like the last time I talked to you, I think I told you I was working full-time again. So I'm working, doing grounds work, something I've done for many years, and I enjoy it. And I work for a school district. So right now I'm kind of doing it. Well, I'm not. I'm actually doing it for nobody. It's kind of strange at at this point, uh, uh, showing up for work, and I don't have any baseball fields to take care of, but I'm getting a lot done, but it, it, that's not the point. <laughs> I'm getting a little sad. I'm like, where's the kids? I want the kids to come back. You know, I, I mean, really, I want this to get resolved and I want, I want our kids here in Arizona to get the best education they can. And I believe that, that that's the reason why this is happening. And I, so I support our teachers for that. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about it. You know, we have a mutual friend who's a teacher who like went up and did the March and I saw the pictures and I was just like, that's a red state I can get behind like that. I'm totally right, for right, it. Right. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Not, this isn't a terribly political show, but I just think, I mean, I'm a teacher, I'm a college teacher, right. but I think elementary and middle and high school teachers are amazing human beings. They get paid very little to do a whole hell of a lot and it's everything from just like making somebody feel they're okay that day. Yeah. It, yes. I did it briefly. I did it for like less than a semester. It was one of the hardest jobs I ever did. I, I may do it again too. Really? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I knew this would happen and I'm getting other f- dear friends of mine are, are telling me, yeah, you should do it again. Get your cert. I looked into getting my cert and it's really, it's not that big of a deal for me to get recertified. It's like three hoops and you're done. <laughs> yeah. It's just really, it's three hoops and I'm done. Okay. Basically, that's that's exactly it. And so I'm, I might go ahead and do it again. You know, I realized too that my whole path to getting my cert originally was just filled with bad, just kind of bad luck, I guess. You know, when I was a parapro, I had a teacher that I worked under that just, she wasn't a good teacher. She wasn't Mm -hmm. a good example. My student teaching, I felt was kind of the same way. And the first job I had, I didn't feel any sort of support. In fact, I felt as though I was getting resistance and I let this affect me and I walked. It's been bothering me for a while now because I just... Maybe I didn't give it a fair shake. Sure, you know what? Maybe I did have, maybe I did get shown some things that weren't beautiful and rosy. But you know what? Life isn't beautiful and rosy, hence this show, right? (laughs) And and maybe I didn't give it a fair shake. I'm thinking that I might very well get back into it and give it another shot. Is it seeing like the kids come to school and all that and just feeling like, ah, or is it a matter of just like, that could work for me? It's a matter of, man, honestly, 
you know, when I think about that, that, that teacher I worked under as a parapro and, uh, and the teacher that I studied with as a student teacher, and I've had some other experiences. I've seen some kind of bad teachers in my environment. I've seen a lot of good teachers. Yeah. They inspire me. And I've seen some kind of bad teachers. And I'm thinking, you could do better. I want to be like these good teachers I see. And I want to do good. I believe that I could. I mean, I'm not so arrogant to think that I'm going to be humanity's gift to the teaching profession by any means. But I think that my life experiences are will will definitely allow me to be a decent teacher, mostly because I'm mindful and I, I and I want to. And I'm when I get that into my head that I want to do something good. I'm going to be as good at it as I can. And I think the kids deserve good teachers. And then if I'm not, then I'll leave because, like I said, the kids deserve a good teacher. And if I'm not that, then I'm not going to do it. I, I am fairly introspective. <laughs> well, that's that's actually a perfect note to just say, tell us the story of your depression. The story of my depression. You know, it's interesting. When, when I spoke to you today, I... It was Facebook contact. It's like, well, you know, uh, I, I know you're, you need somebody on your show, but maybe I don't qualify something to that effect. And we talked a little on the phone and I started thinking about my past. And when I was a kid, I was not a happy kid uh, for a long time. I found at an early age that I felt better when I was able to put things into my body to change how I feel. So I definitely have this, uh, I like to change how I feel because if I don't feel good, I'm going to change it. And, and of course the easiest way for me to do that was by drugs and alcohol. And I realize, you know, and after I talk to you, I'm like, well, you know, the way I use drugs and alcohol, normal, healthy people don't use drugs and alcohol the way I used it. And there's a reason why today I abstain from drugs and alcohol because I, I don't have a way to monitor that. I don't, I, I, I can't seem to use it, use either of them responsibly. And, um, and it's because I wanted to change the way I felt because I, you know, my growing up, I, I, I just always felt less than. I always felt just kind of under the weather a lot. I mean, granted, I'm from Cleveland, but <laughs> it's easy to be under the weather. But, I, you know, I just always felt something wasn't right. But I found my, my solace in, in drugs and alcohol. I don't want to make, you know, this whole show about that and my struggles with, with addiction. But uh, moving forward, you know, once I once I stopped using drugs and alcohol, which is like almost 15 years ago, I'm left with the same feelings largely, but I, I have to deal with them in other ways. I don't use any meds for depression. I, I've never I've never done that. And and I'll be fair in that in that I, I believe that what I experience is a lot milder than many people do. For that, I'm grateful, of course, but I, I do have my bouts with situational depression. And I have, there, there are times when I feel that I can't really function. Actually, having a, having a job uh, for me actually helps me. I didn't work for five years due to, a, due to a motorcycle accident. Having a place that I actually have to go to and show up and work does me well. I have a good work ethic. I have a great work ethic. 
I, I'm, I'm on time. I don't miss work. And I, I basically get it done when I'm at work, whatever, whatever it is I have. And that, that actually keeps me, keeps my mind occupied that I'm, that I'm, that I'm doing something, something productive. And sometimes when I'm not at work, I, there, there's where I struggle. Like I have, you know, I have a hard time sometimes cleaning my house and working on one of my many projects. I, I mean, I do have too many projects and they all have wheels and they all need work, but, but there are times when I just can't get motivated because I feel just kind of bogged down. I guess for me, it's really easy for me to get into a funk. And I have this, I have this talent of seeing the glass half empty, <laughs> the cognitive voice of dissonance. That is one of my, <laughs> one of my superpowers for better or for worse. But I, I can see, I can see the glass half empty a lot. And I just, which, which, you know, leaves me to, I can walk into any situation and I can pick it apart and tell you or anybody else what is wrong with it and why this is wrong and that this system is broken. And the truth is, is that many systems are broken, if not all systems are broken. And I, I can focus on that. That, that. that may be why I walked away from my teaching gig and in the first place. At this point, I'm trying to, I'm trying to surround myself with people who will keep me in check with that. And I, I do have people that will keep me in check. Yes, yes, Kevin, this is true. The system is broken, but maybe it's just your little corner you need to focus on. And that kind of brings me back sometimes because I get really bogged down. And like we were talking on the phone, it's really easy for me to just be like, I don't give a, and insert your you know favorite uh, pejorative, but I'm really good at doing that. And I do it because I really do. Uh, and sometimes so much that it's, it overwhelms me. So I just shut it off and say, I don't give a, that's, that's something that I do. And, and, and it's, it has both served me well and it has <laughs> served me not so well. I've, uh, I've had an interesting and checkered employment, uh, history throughout my life. If you talk to any of my, my employers, even, even when I was young and, you know, doing, mass quantities of drugs and, 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 and drinking, they would tell you that I'm, I'm a great worker, but sometimes I'm a little hard to deal with. I've had people say, you think too much. Okay. Well, anybody that ever told me I think too much, I, 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 I get, I get away from them. I, 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 it's like, yeah, I'm, I don't really need to talk to you because sure, you know, my thinking can oftentimes lead me into this downward spiral of depression but th that is my gift. One <laughs> of my gifts is that I do, I think, I do value my brain as crazy as it is sometimes. I, I value it and I wouldn't want to change it. And I'm grateful that it's not so bad that I, do, that I have to medicate because some people don't have that luxury. Some people feel the way I feel, but times a hundred and, and, and then therefore need to medicate to to shut it down. And, and I, I don't have to do that. Maybe, maybe I'm borderline sometimes, but nonetheless, I, I, I have that luxury that I don't have to um, use any medication, but I do have ways of managing it. One of the best ways I manage it 
it really is, man, get on my bicycle and go for a ride. Go do things. Surround myself with good people. And I, in my life, I know, I know a lot of good people. And then I have a, a choice few that I, I spend a lot of time with. I surround myself with good people. I, I, and I always try to exercise and I try to eat right. And I, I don't drink. That's just, just me. I'm not saying if you drink and you suffer from depression that, you're doing it wrong. I'm not saying that, but just for me, I find that drinking and taking any sort of mood or mind altering uh, substance just doesn't work for me. My last bout with prescribed medication, I had a brief, uh, I guess, experimentation with medical marijuana due to my pain that I that I experienced uh, from my, my motorcycle accident. And I'm going to preface this by saying I I am a strong believer in medical cannabis for those who need it. It does not work for me. It works for me, but it, it makes me completely insane. And it, it, I know that some people that suffer from depression are prescribed medical marijuana. For me, depending on, I've tried every strain and it, I, it makes it worse for me. It just makes it worse. Uh, so I, I, I don't, I don't use it anymore. So yeah, like I said, for me, uh, Combating my bout uh, with with depression is eating right and exercising and just trying to be the best person I can be every day, you know, and if that means be of service and not be completely self-centered. I know that's hard for me sometimes because me, me, it's all about me, especially when you have no kids. It's really easy to, to just to, to have that, but that's how I address it. And and, and just even talking about it with you here is, is, is really, it's very therapeutic. And I, just knowing that maybe one person will listen to this and maybe some tidbit of what I say will, will help, then great. And if not, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, that's, uh, I guess that's my story. Great. Kevin, thanks so much for your story. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on your show, Laura. I really appreciate the opportunity. So I'm going to pull out a couple of things from there. One thing that I really related to and I think about a lot is being smart, overthinking. And the thing about that is almost everyone I know who has struggles with depression and who is interesting and smart and creative, it's like they're tied together. It's weird. Like just just saying like that glass half empty, but there's something about being kind of smart and, and self-aware and aware in the world and really looking at things that freaking makes you depressed, right? Yes. It, I, I can't figure out if depression slows you down so you actually pay attention. If being smart makes you recognize how the world is and that's just depressing. I don't know. What yeah, do you think? it's almost like, wow, I know just too much. <laughs> and then I don't know anything. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I get accused of overthinking, over-talking, yes. <laughs> <laughs> overthinking, not so much. You're definitely not a wallflower. I'm not. <laughs> but I I do relate to that, and all of my closest friends are people who get accused of overthinking things and being too sensitive about something, or why don't you just do this, is the kind of advice they get from the world is like, stop caring so much, stop, stop, stop thinking about these things, just, you know, just have fun, just go out or just whatever. And I, I don't think that's an option for some people. <laughs> One thing that 
one of my friends told me years ago, and he he had he had gotten this from some older gentleman. But he said something like, you know, once I stopped figuring out, trying to figure out how to not be crazy and figured out how to work the madness, my life became much better and much simpler. And that's what, something I like to use every day, work the madness. And that's kind of what I try to do. I love that. Actually, I think that's the tidbit for me because I do do that in my life. I, I love that work the madness though, because I'm, I'm super obsessive and quite compulsive it's what makes me the artist I am because I can't let things drop until I've like done it, you know, like every infinite right. detail, right? It's like a great skill to be obsessive compulsive. It's not such a good social skill. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then these, the ups and downs of depression. I'm in an up right now. Right. And this coffee helps, you know, but I'm in this up right now because I'm, I'm making plans, talking about teaching. That was another thing I wanted to bring it back to is I am ready to leave my job. My job is leaving me and I'm leaving my job. Like the position is gone. It's a good thing for me because I always feel, and there's no box, but I always feel like I'm in the box right. and I'm a systems thinker too. And, and I, I'm always looking at things like I don't work well. It's like working that madness doesn't work there. It just makes me feel more crazy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So, so there's, I guess those two things kind of go hand in hand. Like, being a thoughtful thinking person and always kind of going, isn't there, you know, we could just do it like this. Like what the questioning of like, why are we doing this like this? Like that doesn't get you very far in life sometimes. Right. <laughs> or it doesn't get you to the place that other people are going. No, it doesn't. But uh, maybe that's not the greatest place to be. That's <laughs> what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying about, uh, I think the most, I don't know, the the best job I ever had in many ways was when I had my landscape business because I worked by myself and I set it up and I did it all myself. And I didn't, I, I worked, I was so outside the box. I mean, it was a legitimate business. I paid taxes and everything, but, um, but it was, it was very, I, I did what I wanted to do. The problem was, is that I didn't have any interaction with people, which mm -hmm. I do well there, but I, I, I do tend to kind of, like to be around humans, other humans. I, I, I tend to miss them. I, I'm a social recluse. I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time alone, but if I spend too much time alone, I, I do, I do crave the interaction. It's funny. I think we're similar in that way. One of my favorite jobs was driving a truck for O'Reilly, delivering auto parts around town because there was a little bit of social interaction, but most of the job was in the truck driving. Right, around. Right. I loved it. Oh yeah. I loved it. And I just get to the shop. Oh, Laura, how you doing? Da -da -da. I drop off the parts and I get back in the truck and drive around for another 15, 20, half an hour. And, you know, a lot of people would be like, you liked a $9 an hour job where you drove a truck delivering auto parts. And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it was solitary and social. Which my my current job is like that too. I, I'm, I'm all by myself. And then when the bell rings, I, I'm dodging kids, you know, I'll be running a mower and I'll have to stop for the kids. And part of me complains about it. It's like, oh man, all right. I mean, I know the bell schedule, but it's like, I have to stop. But then there's this other part of me. I just I watch the kids and some of them will, you know, they'll, they'll talk to me. Hey, mister, how you doing? You know? And I like that. I, 
I, I, I like it. And I, I miss the kids and I'm like, I'm taking care of these, this school for nobody. And it's kind of, it's kind of sad and it doesn't make sense because it's not summer vacation or spring break, but yeah. I know. But yeah, my job is very, very much. Whereas teaching is, it's the whole day, man, you are just, you're on and you're, you know, you're up, up on a stage and that's difficult. I have a little anxiety uh, surrounding the possibility of getting back into it. It's like, wow, this is really what I want to do. I'm, I'm questioning it, um, but I'm going to get my cert, see what I do. You know, I could still, I can, even if I just get my cert and hang it on the wall in my ground shop, <laughs> at least I have the cert, you know, um, that's how I'm looking at it. It's like, well, you know, I, I can, get, I, I don't have to think all at once. I just take baby steps. Like fork out the 60 bucks and get the cert, then go from there. Plan yeah. your next move. You don't have to, just because you have the cert doesn't mean you have to like quit your job and go get a teaching job. And I tend to get bogged down too by the big picture. And it's like, just, just, just look at it in, in, in little segments, you know, it's like, well, you don't really have to do anything, but what's right in front of you, Kevin. And I forget that sometimes. Yeah. I totally got you on that. It's funny, we're at two ends of this spectrum. Like, I'm leaving a teaching job to go into the unknown. Right. <laughs> and looking forward to it because five years was good. That was good. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And I feel very satisfied with who I am as a teacher yeah. and what I did during my time. And my and I love my students and they love me. And it's just so cool. And they're so open. Nice. And there's just such great people. Like I just love I love the millennials. Everybody dogs on them, but I love them. They're they they grew up in a world where like you could have a Chinese boyfriend, be depressed. Yes. yes. Yeah, be depressed and and have a, a lesbian friend that comes over for dinner every week and you all hang out and play, you know, video games. Yeah, it's we like, had to learn we had to learn we that were, that's okay. Yeah. In this generation, I think they're beautiful. I really, right. really enjoy them. They, I've really... learned a lot from it. And I, you know, it's funny because I, I sometimes, you know, when I go back to visit some of my uh, my old classmates, I, I realize that I want to say, hey, you know, you need to hang out with your kids more you know, because... <laughs> you might learn something. Because you're kind of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might learn a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like the whole teaching thing, I, I have unresolved business. I yeah. at least, you know, I walked out in the middle of the semester, which might make it difficult to get a job. I don't even know. I did, I did break my contract with a, a certain large school district. Um, yeah. There's other ones. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I also did make a financial restitution with the district that I did that with. We'll see. I mean, I'm not too worried about it because you know what? I'm going to do this on my terms is what I've decided. I have that luxury. I mean, I have a job yep. in a school district that, that I like, like, that I like. And so it's kind of win-win and I'm, I'm going to, I'm actually going to try to stay in the same school district and, uh, and we'll see, you know, we'll see if I, what happens. The worst, my worst case scenario, I will be hanging that teaching cert at the shop. Uh, my ground shop uh, while I'm setting up baseball fields for the kids. You know what? And if that's the worst case scenario, that's not too bad. And if you get the teaching job, maybe I'll need a, your job. <laughs> you can put in a good word for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I, I always tell people, yeah, a monkey could do my job, but well, a skilled monkey anyway. <laughs> I have done it for years. It's just, it's, but it's not that hard. Yeah. It's physically demanding. Yeah. I, I, I remember there was some point where I thought I should have been a farmer. 
You know, I like heavy labor. I like being outside. (laughs) It's not too late. Yeah, you can always be. I mean, you basically are anyway. I mean, looking at your yard, I have... I totally have yard envy. All I have in my yard is cars and motorcycles and crap. And you You're have growing like, auto parts yeah, and car, yeah, motorcycle yeah. parts. And you have like all these like plants. I'm like, wow, you know, if I get rid of like all my crap, I can actually have plants. <laughs> well, on that That's note. That's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been so great having you on the depression session. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been an honor. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.